With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to episode 235 of the UK True Crime Podcast. I'm Adam. Today we conclude our shocking story from Glasgow in April 2011. As you may have heard, it was a big week for me last week with my book on Angus Sinclair released on pre-order ahead of publication at the end of next month. Sinclair, one of the worst killers the UK has ever seen, was convicted of four murders. His first took place in his home city of Glasgow in 1961 when he raped and murdered his seven-year-old neighbour when he was just 16. And although Sinclair was convicted of four murders, we believe he murdered at least 12, maybe 14. And in this book, we tell their stories. Buy your signed copy of Gone Fishing today by searching Mango Books or just checking the show notes here or any of my social media. As always, a huge thank you to all my supporters on Patreon, especially the new members of this exclusive club. That's Lara Yeager and Dan McCauley. Thank you so much for your support, which is much appreciated. As well as bonus episodes and other exclusive content, all Patreon supporters can enter the competition to win a fantastic Central London hotel room in the CrimeCon Hotel for the Saturday Night of CrimeCon. Join us now at patreon.com slash the UK True Crime. I'm delighted again that today's podcast is sponsored by Trip. The female founder, Olivia, was working as a lawyer in London, burnt out and overwhelmed with the daily grind. Do you know that feeling? Olivia found CBD to offer amazing relief, but then she struggled with formats and flavours, so she left law to create this premium CBD range. I enjoyed them so much I ran out and had to reorder. CBD products are all new to me and I was only vaguely aware that CBD is extracted from the hemp plant. If you too aren't too familiar with this, let me assure you, it's non-psychoactive and it will not give you a high. Even better for me is that all TRIP CBD products are vegan, UK made and gluten-free in recyclable packaging. Fantastic! Trip has a range of delicious CBD drinks. I love them. And once you try them, you will too. They're infused with premium CBD, packed with natural botanicals in low-cal delicious drinks. Forbes loved that they were powered by natural botanicals. And Vogue said they were calming, chic and very tasty. Trip also provides CBD oils, which have received great reviews. Grazia awarded Trip the UK's best CBD oil. And Days said that the oils taste like a dream. To take a trip to Happy Days, please head to drink-trip.com and as a listener to this show, you will get 15% off your first order with free shipping with the code CRIME. That's drink-trip.com and use the code CRIME to claim your 15% off. We won't do the guest of the month and year game this week because we covered it last week, we set some context for the date when Linda Spence was abducted in April 2011. 
If you recall the story from last week, part one of the story, 27-year-old Linda was involved in a number of dodgy property deals and was quickly making a number of enemies as people wanted their money back. One of these men was 42-year-old Colin Coates and his cocaine-dealing accomplice, Philip Wade. They wanted their cash back and they forced Linda into a car in Glasgow and drove her approximately 30 miles west to the West Kilbride coast, where a friend had a flat. Even though Linda knew she was in trouble, she couldn't have anticipated the horror of what lay in store. She suffered the most dreadful torture every day for 13 days, taped to a chair, and she wasn't even allowed to visit a toilet and had to sit in her own waist. But before we talk some more about Linda, let's pause and look a bit more at the main player in the plot to abduct her, Colin Coates. We've already heard about Coates losing his temper and acting violently on a flight from Glasgow to Alicante. But why take the extreme measure of kidnapping and torturing Linda? Looking at his life to this point, it should never have got to this. He was a man who had created opportunities for himself. Born in 1970 to a labourer in Glasgow and brought up in the Maryhill area of the city, it seems he had a stable childhood as the youngest of four children. He was always practical with a knack of fixing things and at 16 when he left school he secured a place with IBM as a youth training scheme engineer. He moved from there to the Scottish Development Agency where he spent 18 months as a computer operator before leaving Scotland for London and a job with the Civil Aviation Authority. He thought that computing was going to be the career he followed and he even began taking a degree in computing for commerce at the Open University. But like so many before him, when he was socialising in London, he saw the money and lifestyle enjoyed by those in banking, and he knew this was where he wanted to be. Coates managed to secure a role at Deutsche Morgan Grenfell as a systems administrator, We worked on some major projects with trading teams. He loved the job and he was good at it. It enabled him to travel, and he rolled out some of the technology for the trading floors in Frankfurt and New York for the bank. In the often small world of investment banking, word got out about his ability, and he was approached by a competitor, Merrill Lynch, where his pay jumped considerably. Life was good for Coates. Eventually, though, he left to pursue his growing interest in shares and property, and he set up three companies as vehicles for investment in these areas. In a bad year, his investments were making him over £200,000 a year. That's more than some podcasters. He married a celebrity hairdresser, Angela, in St Lucia in October 2004, and they went on to have three children. Angela was well known in London and beyond, and as well as her salary, it was said that she could earn over £1,000 just in tips most weeks. So financially, life was very secure for the family. The couple decided they wanted to raise their children in Glasgow and so moved back north, living in a lovely house in a very nice neighbourhood in the West End. With the money came an arrogance for Coates. And one time when Coates was asked if his business was successful, he replied, I've never had a failure. But this is no fairy tale of a happy ending. With money and time comes opportunity and temptation. And Coates began drinking much, much more. And he developed a major drugs habit, especially cocaine. 
It wasn't long until Coates left the family home after splitting with his wife. Unimpressed by his behaviour and his influence on their children, his wife stopped access to the children and he took this really badly, finding solace in even heavier drinking and more drugs and more questionable business ventures which saw the money he had drain away. And this made his violence worse. Make no mistake, he'd always had a violent streak. Even back in 1999, he was fined for physically attacking his wife at their London home. Just one year on from this, Coates, who was a big Rangers supporter, launched a brutal attack on a rival Celtic fan in a London pub. For this, he was given a suspended sentence. When the family moved back to Scotland, it was his violence that led to his wife throwing him out of the house and in the nasty divorce that followed. Among a number of unsavoury incidents, on one occasion Coates rammed his wife's car. The case went to trial, but it collapsed there. On another occasion, he attacked his wife's sister Jill, and then turned his fist to an elderly man who stepped in to help. For this offence, he was found guilty, and was given two years probation. By this stage, his ex-wife was terrified at what he might do, and police even set up a 24-hour panic button in case he was sighted in the area around her house. And in 2009, her family home burnt down in suspicious circumstances. And although the case didn't make court due to the lack of evidence, Coates was very much the main suspect. It was around this time when Coates was involved in the air rage incident we discussed last week, when he threatened to throw acid in the eyes of fellow passengers and burn down their houses. Maybe it was a sign of how far he'd fallen when on this flight, as people cowered in their seats at his actions, he proudly shouted out, I'm Colin Coates, I'm a gangster. By now, as the money drained from his grasp, the judgment that had led him to make the shrewd decisions which had made him comfortably off now deserted him. In fact, by 2010, he was no longer involved in legal work and his property developing was effectively a front for the criminal activities in which he was involved. He started to develop a much stronger relationship with drug dealers, including Philip Wade, the man who joined him as he abducted Linda. One associate was quoted in the Scottish Mail saying, he went from an unassuming IT geek to a psycho gangster in eight years. He's been wanted by police on warrants on loads of occasions, and he usually manages to swerve them. It's a miracle he's avoided jail this long. This guy is prone to spontaneous violence, and he cannot control his temper. He is the type to hold a grudge and exact revenge on people who cross him. As we discussed last week, the money he used to invest with Linda was not even his, but it was the funeral money for his parents. But the promise of huge profits from Linda led him to use it in the hope of making that massive return. So when the deal went wrong and he realised he'd been well and truly scammed, he was not just angry for the loss of this money, but losing face was a massive deal in the circles in which he operated and he had no intention of facing this humiliation. So he planned to do all that he could to get Linda to pay him back. In that flat in which she was kept in West Kilbride, rented by petty criminal David Parker, Coates and Wade delivered daily terror to Linda. It was usually Wade watching from the sidelines as Coates actually inflicted the torture 
As the torture continued, Coates managed to obtain enough information from Linda to realise that she'd been handing over some of his money to John Glenn, the property developer we discussed last week, who had also been scammed out of almost 200k of profits. Coates thought that Glenn might be able to pay him back some of the money, so on the 20th of April he visited him. To show that he wasn't messing about, he took with him a plastic bag that contained Linda's thumb, which he had removed. Glenn knew quickly that his own life was in danger if he didn't comply, and he gave Coates money with the promise of more to come. And on that same day, the 20th of April, a week after Linda's abduction, her dad Jim received one last phone call from his daughter, claiming she was in London, before the phone cut off. It would be the last time that anyone would hear from Linda. Unbeknown to her family and friends, a week later, on the 27th of April, Coates and Wade told Parker, who was renting the flat where Linda was kept, that he could leave the flat. It appeared that at that moment, they'd reached that decision that Linda could no longer be of any use to them, and so she should be killed. Detective Superintendent Alan Buchanan, who led the team of detectives investigating Linda's disappearance, was having a hard time. Many of the people Linda was involved with were not in the business of talking to the police under any circumstances, and her paperwork was hard to decipher. As he later said, there was no paperwork. It was word of mouth. We could never establish the full extent of her activities. Coates could maybe have got away with it, but he was greedy. He couldn't stop himself going back to John Glenn to try to get more money from him. And four months after Linda's disappearance, on the 15th of August 2011, he took it to another level by forcing Glenn to strip naked in a desperate attempt to extort more money from him. Glenn managed to keep his cool during the meeting, but inside he was terrified, fearing that he would be the next victim of Coates the following day he went to the police to tell them all that he knew. As we hear so often on this podcast, once one person talks, the small breaks start to form in the chain. And David Parker eventually admitted his role in the plot, but told detectives that he and his friend Paul Smith at the flat were too scared of Coates to let Linda go. Smith said, I quite like my fingers the way they were. Parker admitted that he was shocked, scared and frightened when he saw Linda suffering, adding, I couldn't believe what was happening. I said to Paul, what is this? He told me these guys were quite heavy guys. I really wanted to help, but I saw how scared Paul was. Meanwhile, a friend of Wade told detectives that Wade had confided in them how he'd helped dispose of a body. And at the flat where Linda had been held, despite an industrial cleaning operation, a fingerprint belonging to Coates was discovered. One of the police at the flat noticed the unusual nails that had been used on the brand new floorboards. So they lifted the floorboards and they found tiny blood specks, which were later shown to be Linda's. They also traced the code number on some of the materials used back to a warehouse and managed to track down CCTV of the suspects buying the materials, which was combined with an itemised billing system, leaving a time-stamped record in the till and the timing was an exact match with the faces of men on the CCTV. So detectives knew they had their men, and they thought they had enough evidence to proceed to trial, but they still didn't know where Linda was. 
They were almost certain she was dead, but nobody was telling just where she was. As the investigation progressed, detectives heard about just how wild and dangerous Coates had become around the time of Linda's disappearance. Coates had visited Linda's parents with businessman John Glenn. James Spence hadn't told police the full story when they were first interviewed, but he later told them of an early meeting after Linda disappeared and how Coates completely lost his temper when his wife suggested contacting the police. He recalled his reaction was to jump up and bang the couch and he said, if the police look into my computer, I'll get years. Don't forget, I've got UDA people on my side. On May the 17th, about a month after Linda's abduction, he met another property developer, Patrick Burns, to demand £3,000 he said he was owed. When Burns wasn't able to pay, Coates took Burns' BMW off him as security and warned him, if you go to the police, one of my crew will go through your door. They'll take both of your eyes out and put one in the back of your head. Then a month after this, in June 2011, he went to the house of printer Amir Shah Saeed, a man Linda had used to forge bonds used to pay coats. Amash told how he acted like a raging bull in his house when he refused to change the dates on some bearer bonds. He told how Coates threatened to attack him with a glass table and said to him, I'll smash that over your head and cut your arm off and you'll never be able to walk again. Detectives believed that once they'd finished with Linda, Coates and Wade cut off her head and sliced up her body, disposing of the pieces so well she's never been found. Their first plan was to drive to a town on the Argyle coast in Linda's hired car to ask a friend to borrow his boat as they had something to get rid of. His friend didn't want to get involved, saying, Phil Wade also asked if I had work boots and a shovel. That freaked me out. Another man met Coates on remand in prison, and Coates talked about the murder. Just how many times have we heard this on the podcast, how often they speak when in custody? The fellow inmate told how Coates had boasted about murdering Linda and had taken great satisfaction from the murder. He told police, He said to me he had killed her, she had taped over her mouth, and he held her nose until she died. After she died, he said he had cut her head off. The body was put in a furnace. Detectives believed they had enough to convict Coates and Wade for murder, and they faced a packed court on merge charges. At the trial, Coates' defence was about as likely as his defence of his drink being spiked that time on the plane. He said that actually he was being a hero. Rather than abduct her, he claimed that he provided a safe house for his close friend Linda to give her some respite from all the people who were chasing her. In fact, Coates even lent her his laptop with DVDs to keep her occupied. The flat where she was kept was just a small-scale cannabis farm and he claimed he'd no idea where Linda now was. He was appalled by the allegations he was facing in court, at one time describing the claims as monstrous lies. He told how he regretted ever meeting Linda in 2009, and when asked his feelings about Linda, when he realised he'd been scammed and was never getting his cash back, he said, I despise her. The court heard that when Linda was first taken by Coates and Wade, she was unaware of what was really happening to her. It was only when she was taken inside the flat that Coates spelled out to her exactly what was happening, saying, 
Linda, this is an abduction. Parker, who was renting the flat, gave a terrifying insight into the last moments of Linda's life in the flat, saying, I know she was injured, but I didn't know in what way. I didn't want to know. She was in a frightened state. When they put the hacksaw blades through my door, I realised it was high-duty serious. His pal Smith told the court that he was paid to keep an eye on Linda in the flat and gave her cups of tea and soup, but he didn't ever let her out of the chair, not even to go to the toilet. The jury, which by the end of the trial consisted of six men and seven women, took about 20 hours over five days to come to their verdicts following an 11-week trial. Coates and Wade were both found guilty of murdering Linda and disposing of her body. We often hear on this podcast about cheering from the families when the right verdicts delivered, but in this case, as the jury's verdicts were read out, Coates and Wade sat in the dock with their heads down and said nothing. They were led back down to the cells with their heads bowed. And although it was a packed public gallery, this too was silent. Linda's friends and family showed no reaction to the verdicts. Coates was told he must serve a minimum of 33 years in jail. Wade was given a minimum term of 30 years. Parker and Smith were each jailed for 11 years for assaulting Linda and holding her captive. The judge made clear that Coates was the prime mover behind the plot and he called Coates manipulative, devious and cruel, highly ruthless and extremely dangerous. The judge told both men they'd been convicted of a truly monstrous and barbaric crime and described Wade as a violent, dangerous man with no respect for human life or respect for civilised society. Following the convictions, Linda's parents, Jim and Patricia, released a statement telling of their heartache over her murder. There is no verdict that will bring our daughter Linda back or spare her the terrible ordeal that took her life. We will never begin to imagine her suffering or comprehend the cruelty of any person who could do that to another human being. We cannot begin to understand or forgive what they did to our daughter Linda. No words can begin to describe the heartache and pain we are suffering. Linda was a warm, kind and thoughtful daughter, and someone who always had time for others. We miss her so much. And the officer in charge of the investigation was pleased with the guilty verdicts, adding, Although satisfied with the verdict, the pain for the Spence family continues, as due to the actions of the accused, Mr and Mrs Spence have been unable to lay their daughter to rest. At this time, I would appeal for those convicted to show some common decency and tell us where Linda is in order that we can get her back to her parents and allow them to breathe properly and move some way towards rebuilding their lives. But as I speak now, in May 2021, Coates and Wade have still not given this information to Linda's parents, who still do not know for sure what happened to their daughter. So what you make of what we've heard over the last two weeks? It's a shocking story, isn't it? Colin Coates, a man who could have enjoyed a great life, but he pressed the self-destruct button. I can imagine his frustration discussing a plot to abduct Linda, but I still struggle to see how you can actually turn that into reality, don't you? But then again, I struggle to know how someone can sit on a plane on a budget flight to Spain, shouting out, I'm Colin Coates, and I'm a gangster. I think the less said about Coates and Wade, the better. 
But I do hope that one day they find a little bit of compassion and reveal exactly what happened to Linda. I try not to think too much about just how frightened Linda must have been in her final days. But once again, my overriding feeling is that it makes me wonder again just how some of these people that we see every day are capable of such acts towards other human beings. Thank you so much for listening to this slightly delayed episode of the UK True Crime Podcast. To discuss this story or any other aspect of UK True Crime, please join us on the Facebook group. And to support the show, just head over to patreon.com slash UK True Crime. So that's all for me for another week. So until we speak again next Tuesday, please do take it easy. And most of all, stay classy. Cheerio. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.